Uh, we're continuing our, our series today of a good design, and that, man, that there's been a lot of things discussed, there's been a lot of topics discussed, a lot of hard things to deal with, a lot of hard things have been talked about, everything from gender, to dating, to sex, to love, a lot of these things that are ever-present in our culture, and a lot of times, uh, a lot of things have, have crept in with families, and they just don't really know how to deal with stuff, because it is some hard topics to talk about, and to figure out, okay, what does God actually say about this, but in the end, if we zoom back from all those topics, if, if we take the wide lens and look at things, really uh, what we need to understand and know is that there is a good design that comes from a good designer. There is a good designer out there, and he has the best for us. In fact, uh, if, if you think about that big picture, really what it comes down to is, listen, guys, God designed it all. God designed it all, we ended up breaking it all, we broke it all, and now God is in the process of restoring it and redeeming it all. And that, that includes our relationships. Uh, and so, he, guys, listen, he's got big plans for you in this design of his, in this redemptive plan of his. He's got big plans for you, whether you're dating, whether you find yourself dating somebody, whether you're married right now, or whether you're single, so, in fact, today we're going to be shifting our focus. That's the topic that we're going to be addressing today is, is the idea of singleness and what God's truth actually has to say about being single. Now, uh, I know what you're doing, married people. You've already checked out, and you're checking your fantasy scores. You're like, oh, great, I'm married. Jonathan's not talking to me today. Whew. Right? No, no, you are not off the hook. In fact, what I have discovered is that there are a lot of myths out there about singleness, especially in the faith community, especially in the Christian community. There are a lot of myths and lies out there about singleness, and guess what? They get perpetuated by who? Us married people. That's right. In most cases, not with everybody. Somebody came up to me after the first service and said, Jonathan, I don't talk about singles. I'm like, great. Keep that up. So in general, in general, what we're talking about is, yes, there's so many myths out there, and most of the time, it is us married people propagating those myths, perpetuating those, and today, we're going to dive in, take a look at what God has to say about singleness. Now, we won't be able to get into all of it, and so just like we've done throughout the entire series is, is there's resources out there in the lobby for you on a table that you can pick up. I would encourage you for this one, there's a really good book called Seven Myths of Singleness. Uh, Sam Alberry uh, talks about some of these myths and what God has to say about these. He talks about some myths like, man, is singleness too hard? Or is, is singleness too easy? And he talks about, well, what about if you're a single person? Does, does that just mean that, that you're never going to have intimacy in life? Or what about if you're a single person, does that mean you're, you're never going to have an earthly family? And so I would really encourage you, whether you're single or not, to, to pick up a copy of that book uh, because it's going to give you a lot of really good insight into what God has to say about some of these myths, what he actually has to say about being single uh, today. And so my hope is today, I, I want to address singleness in, in light of God's word, but my hope is today that more than just a single mind, more than just one mind walks away changed today. My hope is that no matter where you find yourself relationally, whatever your relational status is today, whether you're single right now or not, that would be my hope for us today. And that includes me. Listen, I am right now, my relational status is married, okay? That's, that's where I am in life in terms of just my relational status. I am married. I've been married for 23 years to the same woman. 
been married for 23 years. Yay, I know that's it. Now listen, married people, you know, you know this just like I know this. Uh, my wife, marriage, it is a gift. It is a gift, and like most gifts, it's not one that I deserve. Most gifts we, we, we don't deserve. So marriage life, marriage life is it is a gift, but also like most gifts, even though we don't deserve it, like most gifts, it's not, it's not cheap, is it? It doesn't come cheap. It is not easy, married life. Well, yes, it, it, it is a gift. We understand, man, it's hard. You have long, hard days. It is hard living your life with another person in that kind of intimate covenant relationship. It is not a gift that comes easy. It is not a gift that comes free. And so we know this when it comes to our own married life. It is a gift but we have realized, I understand this. If you've been married for, for any amount of time, you know this. Marriage, even though it is a gift, in the end, it is not enough. Your marriage is not enough. It is not enough to make you whole. And if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, okay, well, maybe singleness is the end. No, if you're single today, if you're a single person today, you are not enough. You are not enough to make yourself whole whole but but please hear this today I, I want you to hear me whether, whether you're single or not singleness just like marriage is a gift even though it's not an easy gift even though it can be a hard one singleness is a gift singleness is a gift today and some of you guys need to hear that because a lot of times what, what gets put out there the myth that gets put out there is singleness is a curse that, that singleness is something you need to mature out of or that singleness is a, some problem in your life that needs to be fixed. We hear those things. Now, why do I emphasize those things? I'm not just saying that. I actually wanted to know what it was like to be a single person because I haven't been one in so long in the life of our church family today. So I actually talked to three singles uh, right here at part of our New Life family. Uh, I, I talked to one single that's a single person in their 30s and they've never been married. I talked to another single person in their 40s and they've never been married. And I talked to another single person in their 50s. They had been married for a while, but they've been divorced for 15 years. So there's all kind of places you can could be as a single person and I wanted to hear some feedback from them so I asked them two questions the first one was this I, I wanted to say hey what, what is it like what's been the most encouraging thing uh, what is it what opportunity do you have now that, that, that uh, as a result of your singleness what are some of those opportunities that you have I wanted to hear their, their feedback but I also want to know their challenges and struggles to being a single person in a faith family in that church culture and so I said hey what are What's been some of those most challenging things for you as a single person in the life of church or in, in a faith family? And two of them, they basically said the exact same thing. And, and, and I quote here, this is, this is what they said. They said, you know, Jonathan, I can feel like a problem to be fixed or like people don't think my life could be full without a spouse or that I haven't arrived until I get married. Another single said here with us said, you know, there is often an elevation of those who are married over us singles, regardless of life experience. Those are the struggles and the challenges that they're facing in our own faith family. Now, now what are they really saying there? They're saying, listen, John, I feel like a lot of times people, not everybody, but, but, but married people, that they view us as, oh, man, we've got to get you out of that. Um, some problem to be fixed. And they also come across, when, you, when you, they come across married people, they think just by the relational status alone, wow, I'm so much more wiser than those single people. I, I'm so much more mature than those single people. My life is so much more fulfilling than that single person. And so understand this today. Singleness, 
Singleness is a generous gift to be leveraged for a gracious God. Your singleness today is not a mistake. Singleness is this generous gift that should be leveraged for a gracious God, just like marriage. Right, okay, so, so we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 today and uh, looking at, at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and what God's Word teaches us about this idea of singleness being this generous gift for a gracious God. So picking up in verse 7 today, I'm not going to be able to read the entire chapter uh, to you today, but in verse 7, this is what Paul is talking about. Uh, he, he started to, before this verse, he's talking about principles uh, for marriage. But this is what he says in verse 7. He says, and, and if you've got your, you, you can follow along, you can turn your, your Bibles on. He says this, I wish that all were as I myself am. His himself is single. That's what he's talking about. Well, single, so I, I, he's basically saying, hey, I, I wish you were all single like me. But then he says, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And then skip over to verse 17. He writes, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned him to, the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Paul is saying, listen, whatever gift you've been given, wherever, whatever assignment God has given you, be content in that fact. Use it for him. That's my rule for everybody in all the churches. And then in verses 23 through 24, he continues and he says, never forget my words, never forget you were bought with a price. Your life, it, was, it did not come cheap. You were bought with a price. You have been redeemed by God himself. You belong to God, no matter your relational status. That's where your contentment comes from. Never forget that you were bought with a price. And he says, do not, do not become bondservants of men. He's saying, don't buy the myths out there. Don't buy the lies that are out there. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Be content wherever you are. Always understanding that fact that you've been bought with a price, redeemed by him, and you're not a slave to what others say about you or think about you. Never forget that. So in the end, guys, singleness should be a, a gift. It should be a gift that is celebrated and enjoyed that's what singleness should be. Now, that might be a big revelation for a lot of people today. That might be a, a big revelation as a single person. And for you today, that actually could be a revelation as a married person. I was like, wow, singleness is a gift. Feels like a curse. In fact, that would have been a huge shock. That would have been, been a game changer, a big revelation for the culture during this time that this letter was written. In fact, in the Jewish culture, did you know that that if a person, back then in that culture, if you think family was important today, it was all about family. Then it was about, hey, you've got to get married and you've got to have kids fast as you can because the Jewish culture believed if a man died without seed or if he died without kids, that's what he's talking about, then he was actually considered to be cursed from God, not from the devil. You died without kids, you were cursed from God. That was the Jewish culture, this religious culture. In the secular culture, in the Greco-Roman culture during this time, they actually saw that they believed, and again, this is coming from a, from a very secular culture, that if a man died without kids, he died twice. Once wasn't good enough for him. He actually died, they said, okay, you died, and now you've died again because you didn't have kids, and you were ultimately gonna be forgotten. How horrible is that? In this time, one of the emperors, Caesar Augustus, actually decreed a law. He made a law. It would be a law like coming out, out of Washington, D.C. today. 
He said, I'm going to make a law. If you are a widow, that means if you are a single person, you were married and now you're not, something you lost your spouse, now you're single again. He made a law saying, if you're a widow and you haven't remarried in two years, I'm going to fine you. I'm going to tax you. There was literally a tax just for being single. It's like, wow, what? What's going on? There was this crushing pressure to get married as fast as you could, and if something happened to your spouse, to remarry as fast as you could. And so to stay single during this time that this letter was written meant that a lot of people, most people thought you were cursed by God. And in in most cases, if you were single all, all your life, you ended up dying in abject poverty. So both these cultures, Jewish and secular culture, they saw singleness as a curse, but something changed. There was this radical shift in the early church culture, the one that Paul was writing to here, that came about this early church culture that began and is still going on today. It's what we're part of today. Back then, because of a resurrected Jesus, he instituted a brand new covenant and a brand new church culture. And in that early church culture believe it or not singleness was not only seen as okay it was encouraged and that would have blown people's mind just like a woman actually had rights was actually valued so what about today i think oftentimes today in our our culture what is singleness seen as? I think a lot of times the script gets flipped. And right now, in our secular culture, in a lot of cases, people are staying single longer. Sometimes they're choosing to remain single forever. So I think in the secular culture, it often gets viewed as, hey, that's okay, if not encouraged. But then when you look at our church culture, what tends to happen? Do we see singleness as a curse? I don't know, but I do know, according to the singles that are living it out right now, in a lot of cases, they do see themselves as some problem to be and that's just not true. And so the, the encouraging thing for me was to hear back on, on what some of our singles said today. In spite of that myth, in spite of some of those things, uh, or maybe because of some of those things, they are still actively living out their faith, their singleness as the gift that it is. Here's some of the things they said in response to some of the things that they're, they're encouraged by their singleness or opportunities that they have. Uh, I quote, they, one of our singles said this, I'm free to serve the Lord and go wherever he calls me to go without having to balance the needs of a spouse or kids. Married people, that is a gift. When is the last time, married person, that you have done anything, gone on vacation, even gone to the grocery store where you hadn't had to consider the needs of your spouse or kids? We do that. Listen, I, I recently just got back from a vacation last week. My, my daughter, it was her birthday. She loves the beach so that we try and get get down there uh, about this time every year and so this time was no different because I'm married with kids we were going she was bringing friends so it was just not if if I'm going to the beach I'm hopping in the car and I got a backpack and off I go but this is different so my wife works and so we were gonna have to take separate cars and because we're having to take separate cars I was having to take Sydney and her friends and it was going to be in a small car and I could see it I knew what was about to happen I was like oh no this is not, we're not gonna have room because I know what teenage girls take with them on vacations. I don't know what is in their bags and suitcases, but I know it is a lot. I know there's a lot of stuff in there. And as a single person, I was like, I don't have to deal with any of that. But now I had to deal with it. So I went to Sydney, my daughter, I said, listen, Sid, this trip, you're gonna have to view it as like an airplane trip where only one suit, small suitcase and a carry-on allowed that's it that's all we're gonna have room for and she just looked at me and was like no not gonna happen and it didn't and so that that that's 
That's the life of a married person, right? As opposed to now coming up this weekend, I get to pretend to be single for a weekend. I'm going on a backpacking trip with other married men, just a group of smaller group of men. Now, we're, we are still going to have those, those needs to address, but we're going to get to play pretend for the weekend. It's just going to be me out in the woods, no cell phones, and a backpack. If I die, that's it. And there's a good chance that, that that could happen. But listen, the point is, listen, I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about that's a trip. I'm not talking about living life to advance the gospel for all its glory, right? I was just trying to go on vacation. That day-to-day life, it, it becomes tough. And singleness has a, when you're a single person, you have a gift. We don't have to consider those, those things. And now another single wrote this. God uses everyone, and you need not be afraid in being obedient to what he's calling you to do. He said, I do miss companionship with someone, but it's his will I want for me, and if you bring someone in my path, then that would be groovy, and I mean groovy. Isn't that a great way to say that? Because listen, can you be single today? Can you be single and want to remain single? Yeah, you absolutely can. Can you be single and want, have a desire to get married? Sure, absolutely you can, but neither is the point. What Paul is saying, the point is to celebrate, live the life that God has assigned you to for him, for his namesake. Singleness, guys, is not God's plan B for your life, so enjoy it as a gift. Now, here, that word that Paul uses is the Greek word charisma. The root of that is charis, which means grace, and so it's not this idea. He's not saying, oh, your singleness is this gift like an iPhone. I give you an iPhone like single. That's not the gift he's talking about. Not saying that, that he's not saying, hey, married person, your relational status is a gift. Hey, single person, it's a gift. Enjoy. I hope you like that. No, he's saying it's grace. This gift, these gifts I give you are intended to be used for me. So what, what he's saying is, yes, I'm giving you this gift, not just to enjoy, but also to use for me. So I'm going to infuse you. I'm going to always send with you, with these gifts I give you, my grace. And it is going to live in you and through you. It is going to urge you to make the most of your assignment, of your situation, to live it out for God's kingdom right here, right now, in this special and unique way that I've made for you. That's what he's talking about. Guys, listen, the gift of singleness, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're never going to want to get married. That might actually be groovy, right, to get married. It also doesn't mean, if you're single, that it's not going to be hard to use it. It's not going to be hard to use it in that way. I mean, we have to rely, we have to depend on God's grace sometimes to use those gifts that he sent us. That's how gifts work, isn't it? In fact, uh, most of you guys have probably taken a spiritual gifts test at some point in your life. I've taken several, and I've been affirmed by other people on certain gifts that God has given me. And one of the gifts that always comes up for me is the gift of administration. And I know what you're thinking, who doesn't want administration? Not this guy. I don't want that, but I know, I know based on affirmation, I know that God has given me this gift. But more times than not, I don't want to use it. Not only do I not want to have that gift, but most of the time, I don't even want to use that gift. Why? Why would, I, why would that be my attitude? Because people are the worst. I'm the worst, you're the worst, because every time I use this gift, it is always a fight. It is always, literally, what that gift means is to steer or to guide a group of people to a certain goal or destination. Do you want to know how many people want to be steered and guided? Zero. Every time I try to use that gift, it's always a struggle. It's always a fight. It's always the same thing. Jonathan, I don't want to go. 
where you're trying to help steer me to go or help guide me to go. So yes, I don't want to use that gift. Sometimes I don't view it as this great gift, but by the grace of God, guess what? God says, nevertheless, Jonathan, you're gonna have to use that gift. You are gonna have to use that gift for my purposes, for my kingdom, for my glory, in and by and through my grace. Because that's what it's there for. Singleness. Man, it, it is a gift to be celebrated and used for his kingdom. But oftentimes, single, as we just heard, singles, they don't feel that way uh, in our church body. They oftentimes feel discouraged rather than encouraged. Most of the time when we see people have this giftedness, we encourage them to use it. Singles, on the other hand, a lot of times feel discouraged in their gifting because they hear phrases like, well, who are you dating these days? When you're getting hitched, tick-tock, you're not getting any younger. Maybe behind closed doors, they're saying things like, wow, just bless their heart, poor thing, they're never going to get married. You know what we should do? We should start a singles group, singles ministry here, because they, those singles, they really need to cultivate their faith. You know what they're saying? They need to find a spouse, because until you find a spouse, life hasn't started yet. And that's hard. That's the discourse. So in light of this fact, in light of this truth that, that, that God's word is teaching us today, how then should we respond as a single person, as, as a married person? Well, listen, if, if you're, you're single today, you may need to ask yourself this. How have you been using, how are you using the gift of singleness to impact his kingdom right now? Not one day when you get married. How are you using this gift to impact his kingdom right now? And, and if you're not single today, if you're here and, and you're just relational status is married, great, that's a gift. We know it's a hard one. We're gonna talk more about that. But if you're married, ha have you been, are you being an encouragement or a discouragement to the singles in our church family today? You guys, listen, single people, they do not need your pity, but they could use your friendship. They could still use your friendship. In fact, how many singles out there have ever experienced the Frodo friendships? <laughs> it's the Frodo from Lord of the Rings, if you've never seen it. Frodo, the ring, all that kind of stuff. So you're, you're single, you have other single friends, you're hanging out with one another, you spend a lot of time with each other typically, and then one of your single friends gets married. And then, as soon as the ring goes on their finger, they disappear. It's like a Frodo friendship. It's like, man, I thought you were just getting married. I didn't realize you were going to die. Where did you go? It's like you vanished. Yes, listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you today, especially, listen, married people hear this, I'm not telling you to go out today and start making friendships based solely on somebody's relational status to leave this place today and start walking around. Hey, are you single? Great, we're gonna be friends. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying is maybe you could prayerfully consider allowing God to open up your heart Maybe you could consider allowing God, maybe more importantly, to open up your doors and to open up your calendar so that when that opportunity arises, yes, we know when you get married, it becomes more complicated with things, but maybe you prayerfully consider how, how are you gonna continue to open up those doors for, to, to, to build single relationships in your life? Because listen, guys, life does not start when you get married and it does not end when you get married. You guys hear this, know this, single people, married people understand that, that, that what happens is it doesn't, life doesn't end when you get married, but it does come with troubles. 
It actually comes with troubles. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, we're about to find out that, that Paul gives some relational warnings, but they're actually warnings not, not so much for single people, but the warnings are actually for the married people. Look with me now in verse 27, verses 27 through 31. And Paul picks up, and he's, he's, he's going to be talking to the unmarried and to the widows, and, and this is what he says. Verse 27, he says, Are you bound to a wife? Then do not seek to be free. He basically said, Hey, are you married? You can't get out of it. Then he says, hey, listen, are, are you free? Are you free from a wife? Then do not seek a wife. And you could just insert, insert spouse right there. Hey, are, are you single? Don't, don't seek out a spouse. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. Thank God. Right, he's saying, hey, but if you do get married, at least you haven't sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned, yet those who marry will have, and here's the warning, if you do get married, even though it is a gift, you're going to have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. And then he goes on to mean what he means by that. He said, what kind of worldly troubles are you talking about here, Paul? He says, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. You're like, what? This is what I mean. Listen, from now on, let those... Let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, those who buy as though they had no goods, those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. And you're like, what just happened, Paul? You're making a little bit of sense. You're talking about, okay, if you're married, great, be content in that. If you're single, great, be, be, be content in that. And then all of a sudden you said, but hold on, trouble's coming if you get married. And then it's like he had ADD and he started talking about the world is short. Don't act like you're married if you're married. If you buy things, act like you're not married. You're like, what are you talking about, Paul? What, what, are, what did you just say? Listen, guys, marriage will not resolve singleness problems, but it will amplify them. You say mar marriage is not going to resolve. If you have problems when you're single, it's not going to resolve your singleness problems, but it will amplify them. And what Paul is saying when he says, let me explain this to you, what he's talking about, he's not saying, well, Jesus could come back any second, and none of this matters. Your relationships don't matter. Wherever you are, none of that matters. Forget about all that stuff. He's not just saying that. What he is saying is, listen, we live in this tension. We live right in the middle of two worlds. We live in this world where one is dying, one is passing away, and we live at the same exact time. We are right in the middle of this other world that is being born and that is coming to make things new. We live right in the middle of this tension. And so Paul is saying, in light of this fact, knowing that we live in two worlds, one is passing away, one is being born anew that, that God has, has redeemed, because you know this is true, because we, in light of this fact, then which life, which world then should you live for? Should you live for the world that's dying or should you live for the one that's being born anew by God? So he's saying is, is, is because of that fact, in light of that fact, we're going to need to rethink some things. We're going to need to rethink some things maybe that we thought about singleness, maybe that we thought about marriage before. And guys, he's not saying, he didn't say that, hey, but because of this, it doesn't mean that these things are less good. It means they should be less significant in your life. It, he's saying that it means that, that marriage is actually going to make your life more complicated, not less. It means it's going to come with trouble. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking you're single and you've been thinking, wow, man, if, if what, when did I actually get married, if I could only have a spouse, if God would just bless me with this spouse, I mean, come on. He just got married. Him? God? She just got married. Her? I've been praying for years that, that you would send me a spouse. If you've been thinking that that's going to resolve 
There's problems in your life. Paul is saying, think again. It's going to make things more complicated for you. You've been thinking, man, if, if, only, if only I get a spouse, if only I got married, then, then my anger issues are going to go away. My disappointment in life, it'll take care of that. My depression in life, yeah, wait till I get married, that'll be gone. My loneliness in life, just get married and that loneliness. Listen, guys, some of the loneliest people I know are married. Yes, if you get married, you have a companion, but it actually complicates things. Paul is saying, listen, it is going to get more complicated, and who you are as a single person is who you're going to be when you get married. The difference is now you're actually going to have a married person. The difference, he's saying, is now, because you're married, it's going to be harder for you to devote your life to the Lord. It's going to make things harder for you. Guys, Less devotion to God actually brings more troubles in your life. And when a good thing, a good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes a ruling thing in your life. And that's what Paul is talking about here. So in light of this fact, in light of this knowledge that that God is teaching us here, maybe if you're single today, maybe you need to stop and ask yourself, do you now, have you viewed, do you now view singleness as a problem that marriage will fix. Not, now, I'm not talking about the myths. I'm not talking about the things that get imposed on you, the lies that get told to you to say, hey, you're a problem that needs to be fixed. No, no, no. I'm saying, have you bought that lie? Have you been leading your life surrounded by that, engulfed in that, thinking that, man, just one day you're just holding out hope that when you get married, it is going to fix things? And then have you been? If you, if you do desire to get married, if, if you really want to be married, that, that's great. But are you working on it? Are you allowing God to transform you and, and to, um, for you to become the person that you'd actually like to marry? Paul's got more to say on this. He's got more, believe it or not, more warnings for us. So in verse 32, he continues and he says, listen, I want you to be free from anxieties. Paul's saying, listen, I'm not writing this to make you more anxious. I'm writing this to make you less anxious. I want you to be free from these anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are what? Divided. That's what he's getting at. Now when you get married, you're devo- you know this. If you're a married person, you know now your devotions, you're always having to fight that battle to where your full devotion, everything is consumed by your family your spouse and or your kids and he says and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the lord how to be holy in body and spirit but the married woman is anxious about worldly things how to please her husband now i say this for your own benefit not to lay any restraint upon you but to promote good order and to secure your and here it is undivided devotion to the lord that that's why i write all these things so that you would understand wherever you are that your fight should be to, to have an undivided devotion to God. And you need to understand some of these things. And what, what Paul is saying here is, listen, guys, if you're single today, singleness should be lived out in expectation of marriage. Now, now you may be sitting there and thinking like, aha, I knew it was all just going to come back to, to saying you should get married. No, that, that's not the kind of marriage I'm talking about. That's not the kind of marriage that, that Paul is ultimately talking about here today 
Uh, you guys know that, that, that I have some, some daughters. They're older now. They're 19 and 17. But they used to be little girls, and, and when they were little, uh, they watched all things Disney. They loved the Disney princess movies, princesses movies. Uh, they watched them all. They knew who all the princesses were. Uh, and, and it's this fairy tale story, this fairy tale idea that they, they get. In fact, they, they memorize and they sing all the songs, all the princesses' songs. And for, my lo- for the life of me, I can never remember words to a song, but they sang them. Not only did they know them, they sang them a lot, all the time. And, and because of that now, <coughs> all the tunes are ingrained in me, and I only ever know like one line to a song. So now, even now, after all these years, I'll be driving to work, and I'll just be singing 7 a.m. and the usual morning lineup. <laughs> See? Some of you, yep. Talk to the married people with little kids. They'll, they'll catch up. My little girls, whether they knew it or not, they were formulating this idea that their prince charming was coming to rescue them. One day, this great prince charming would come. They would save them. They would rescue them them and, and they had this idea this fairy tale image about what marriage is and this prince charming is going to come make everything great fantastic perfect no problems whatsoever forever and ever amen and as a dad as a dad i am doing no such thing i'm wanting no such thing for my daughters because i know who that prince is friends that they're talking about they can't save them in fact a lot of times that prince brings them harm So what I am doing as a dad, what I'm desperately praying for my daughters is not even that they would get married. If if they find a a spouse one day, great. They get married one day, great. But I'm I'm not even praying that they would get married. What I'm desperately praying is that they would fall in love with a different kind of prince. I am desperately praying as a dad that, that God would be the one to capture their heart, that they would fall in love with a different kind of prince, the kind of prince that would show them unconditional love, the kind of prince that is gonna just show uh, kindness to them over and over again, the kind of prince that is gonna be amazingly gentle with them even when they're harsh to him. That, that's what I'm praying for. I'm, I'm desperately praying that they are gonna fall in love with the prince that, that actually uh, gives them hope, ultimate hope, not some fairy tale hope. I'm desperately praying that they are going to fall in love with a prince that forgives them over and over and over again so that they can learn how to forgive themselves and to forgive others. I am desperately praying that she will fall in love with a prince that will always remain faithful to her no matter how many times she cheats on him. that will never leave her, never forsake her. And guys, there is only one kind of prince out there that I know of like that. And they don't ride a horse, and they are not anywhere to be found on this earth. And and guys, listen, yes, uh, the analogy was of girls, but the, the same principle applies for boys too, doesn't it? For all of us. Because there is only one wedding. There is only one marriage that can bring that kind of hope. There is only one marriage that can bring that kind of wholeness for us. And that is the one that we should be waiting on. That is the one that awaits us all. Because in heaven, in this world that is being born right now, that's in the process of being born in heaven, there is going to be no more earthly marriages. There is only going to be one marriage in heaven. It is going to be between the, the ultimate prince, our bridegroom, and his church. 
And that marriage is, is the marriage that actually makes us complete. And that is the wedding day that we should all be longing for. That is the wedding day Paul is talking about. Is like, listen, what, which world are you living for here? What prince are, are you living for here? That is, that is the day. That is the wedding day we should all be hoping for. That's the one that's going to bring us everlasting hope that's finally, finally, finally going to make us complete. And so maybe today you need to ask yourself, as a, as a single person, you're here today, that's your relational status. That's okay. You should be encouraging. You should be using that as a gift. Maybe you're here and you're single. And you need to be honest with yourself and you just need to ask, hey, who have I been re- waiting for really? Who have I been really waiting on to save me, to change me, to make me? Who have I been waiting for really? And if you're married today, if you're married today, these warnings should alert you to that fact that, man, you're, you're in danger of having a divided devotion to the one true king. And so maybe if you're married today, you, you need to be real and honest with yourself and ask, hey, is, is your weight over? Like, well, I got married now, so that's where all my devotion, that's what it's all about now. It's just me and my family here on earth. Is your weight ended? Is your weight it's over? And so my prayer for all of us today, no matter where you find yourself in life, is to understand if you're single today, it is a generous gift given to you by God to be leveraged for him by a gracious, gracious God. So may we all use whatever assignment that we have been given today as the gift that it is by his grace, in his grace, and for his glory. Would you pray with me? God, we, we know that uh, the middle earth, the middle world that we live in now is not easy. We know that in our own life, when, when we decide to put our faith and trust in you, that is just the first step. You hold us, you're always faithful to us, Father, but we know that we live in a tension in our own hearts, in our own lives, where we want to keep living for ourselves, but at the same time, you are changing us, you are making us into new people to follow after you. God, we know we live in this tension, these two worlds, one that's dying, one that that sends lies to us every single day. And we buy them. We eat them up. They're not just out there in the secular world, Father. We know they, they permeate all throughout our own church family today. God, may we be healed from those. May we not believe those lies today. God, may we turn our hearts, may we turn our attention, our, our complete devotion to you. One true God, the, the, the one that can actually help us, save us, make us new. God, so for whoever's listening today, wherever we find ourselves today, may we lay it all down today. May we run to you today. May we use the the gifts that you've given us today, all for you. And Father, I pray this in the precious name of Jesus.